Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of the 401k Podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about how good retirement plans just don't happen by accident. They don't fall out of trees and whatnot. They, there's, there's, you know, the ingredients um, of a good quality plan out there. But of course, uh, first things first, um, that 401k conference just came back, uh, usually recording on Tuesday this week, recording on a Monday, came back from Seattle, uh, a fun event uh, had by all, I think. Um, it was great being in Seattle, um, never thought I'd make it one of those cities, you know, as a kid, you're like, you know, this, this country is so large. And if I have to say it, I mean, the greatest thing for me, uh, the 401k conference outside of, you know, having the conference and, and meeting all these um, plant providers and financial advisors and all that around the country and in person, you know, the great thing for me as a kid would be growing up and thinking about it is just, you know, the travel and going to the cities that, you know, you never thought you would go as an adult, you know, as a kid, um, my folks, uh, you know, were not uh, as well off um, as as I've been. I've been, I've been very, very lucky, um, you know, in terms of, you know, getting career and, and being able to, to travel. But, you know, when I was a kid growing up, going to Florida, Disney World, and going to lots of places because, you know, there was family or relatives over there, you know, went to Canada a lot as a kid because we had uh, close um you know, family friends out there and travel lots to Israel. So, um, never got to go, you know, never th would think I would go to places like Kansas city, like Seattle. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Texas and Houston and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, that's a lot of fun. Seattle was great. Uh, did the whole sightseeing, um, space needle, uh, my family was there. They went to the Pikes Market and whatnot, so I couldn't go to that and pop culture museum. But, you know, we had a great event, I thought. Dan Wilson was a good guest. Uh, the stadium tour was fantastic, walking on the field, going throughout the area. We even ran into the guy who's the, uh, I forgot the guy who's the radio announcer for the uh, Mariners on the stadium tour. And, uh, you know, looking forward to future events of 2023, decided to uh, postpone Charlotte. Um, there were a lot of issues with Charlotte and, and trying to uh, have that event. And I think that having it a week before Thanksgiving just was not a great idea. We got pushed around because the soccer team in Charlotte plays at Bank of America Stadium. So there was a hold on it. So we'll postpone it to a later date. We still have the National Virtual Conference in January. And right now I'm in negotiations with a couple of other stadiums for about four to five events next year. We will certainly try to hit New York. We haven't been in New York, uh, my hometown, since 2019. We're going to try to get there in 2023. There's one venue in particular that we need to have the event finally there. Hopefully we can have it through Larry's help. Um, Certainly going to do Detroit in May, May 2023, May the 3rd. That'll be on a Wednesday. Um, and we're looking towards other cities. Oakland, I think, is in consideration. Um, Arlington, Texas again. And, and possibly Milwaukee, uh, maybe Cincinnati. We'll see what happens. You know, this, you know, is going forward. The conferences are all dependent, you know, obviously on interest and 
sponsorship and whatnot. So we'll see what happens. That National Virtual Conference is still going on in January 26th and 27th. $2.33 to be a part of it for two days of presentations live on Zoom. And, of course, um, you have to cut out because of work and such. Uh, you could certainly watch it later on YouTube. So go to that 401ksafe.com to sign up for the National Virtual Conference, $2.23. Uh, great, uh, it'll be a great opportunity to be a part of it. We're getting more and more sponsors, and we'll have, you know, about four or five hours a day, 10 hours of content for $2.23. We will increase that price to $20.23 around Thanksgiving time, so please sign up today. As far as the topic at hand, Good retirement plans really don't happen by accident. Um, there's a lot of work that's involved. Uh, you know, plan sponsors just don't wake up in the morning and they got a great plan. No, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of pieces to that, you know, great plan. And I think, number one, it takes a vigilant plan sponsor. Uh, if there's one common trait that I see about a good retirement plan, it's a plan sponsor that's, that's just vigilant. Um, you know, um, they, you know, often will talk about, yeah, hiring good plan providers is a good part of it, but it takes a vigilant plan sponsor to hire good plan providers. Again, it doesn't happen by accident. Um, you know, hiring good plan providers is obviously an essential part of having a good retirement plan, but in the end, uh, in the beginning, actually, it's really up to a, a plan sponsor to hire these good plan providers. And I don't believe that that happens by accident. If we look at the retirement plan marketplace, you know, I'll get in trouble for saying it. But when the two top TPAs, when two of the top TPAs are the two biggest payroll providers in this country, and they do an ineffective job of administering plans on a daily basis, that tells you all you need to know. Um, you know, again, it, it, it takes a good plan sponsor to hire good plan providers. The size of the plan is kind of irrelevant in my eyes because, you know, um, and, and what, what a, you know, even what the plan sponsor does. Uh, in the line of field, I've seen restaurants have better plans than um, doctors, and lawyers, and you know. Again, um, you know, Mike Webb was uh, at the Seattle event, and Mike Webb is, uh, uh, you know, obviously the, one of the biggest, uh, one of my biggest boosters. I'm always thankful for uh, him um, and his continued support. But I was talking to him again. Uh, I always bring up the old retirement plan that I worked at at my old law firm and I constantly bring it up and brought it up for the last 12 years and the reason I bring it up a lot is, is it's a great example but also um, I bring it up because I have a chip on my shoulder I think that when you look at my career the biggest time I was offended was with that plan and for you know in a nutshell again for the hundredth or thousandth time um, I was asked by the HR director, who was one of the plan trustees, to look at the plan. And I looked at the fund lineup, and I'm like, these funds were really popular about 10 years ago. Um, so mind you that this happened, this discussion happened in 2008. So that means that these funds were really good in 1998. We all know about 1998. Technology funds and, and, and you know, uh, 
crazy returns, but what worked in 1998 didn't work in 2008. And I said, who picked out these funds? HR director said, oh, uh, the old uh, ERISA partner who, you know, his firm spun out, which I should have saw as a sign. There was a group of ERISA attorneys that they had out in Melville, and they spun off to their own office. I should have seen that as a sign of a law firm that was failing or, you know, downsizing. So anyway, um, plan didn't have a financial advisor. I got one. Um, I told him to get one because I said, you know, giving us uh, Morningstar profiles isn't going to help us in mitigating uh, liability on the RISA 404C. And of course, what happened, I gave a recommendation about three advisors and whatnot. I was kept in the dark and, you know, the HR director picked whoever she wanted to pick. Um, and, and of course I wasn't involved in the change of the TPA where, you know, I was told, oh, we're not going to change a TPA, blah, 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 blah. And then of course they changed the TPA. Um, and I was not offended by where they went. I was more offended that I wasn't consulted with. And again, you know, I believe that if you want to rely on experts, rely on their opinions, especially when you're the folks who caused this mess and that's what happens. But, you know, I have seen a lot of plans for, you know, different, you know, occupations that are far better than any doctor or lawyer plan. And, you know, again, there are a lot of plan sponsors that don't even, you know, employers that don't have a college degree who make better choices than folks who have two or three degrees, kind of like lawyers. And, um, you know, a good, you know... A good plan sponsor is a vigilant plan sponsor, just as someone who just understands that there is a responsibility that they have and that they will undertake it and perform it to the best of their abilities, and uh, that they have to be obviously prudent when they exercise it and, and take you know a, a, take stock of what they do. And so again, the, the size of the plan is relevant. You know, uh, we've seen. Plans with billions of dollars of assets get sued. Class action lawsuit for just stupid stuff. I'm not talking about having BlackRock TDFs, which I think is kind of asinine that these lawsuits are just going left and right. I'm talking about, you know, not, uh, you know, having um, institutional share classes, you know, having retail share classes when institutional share classes, the same funds were available. So when it comes down, down to it, size and sophistication are as important as plan sponsors who really know what the heck they're doing. And of course, the other piece of the puzzle is obviously good plan providers. A good plan provider is going to make a lot less mistakes than a bad plan provider. Um, you know, um, being a TPA, it's, it's a difficult uh, position to be in. And there's so many moving pieces with a 401k plan, especially on a daily system. Um, so, you know, a good TPA uh, uh, is going to make a lot less mistakes than a bad TPA. And a good TPA will often discover the mistakes they make, and bad TPAs don't. And the only, you know, plan sponsor only discover it when there's an audit or when there is a change of TPAs. Um, you know, uh, there are catastrophic errors that uh, bad TPAs will get plan sponsors in. You know, plan documents that haven't been updated, um, you know, um, and, and a whole host of other problems. You know, if a catastrophic error happens, you know, the TPA is going to say, well, you know what, we're just a TPA, you're on the hook for liability and whatnot. 
And um, you hear it from time to time. Again, I, I had one plant sponsor being sued by the Department of Labor for uh, false claims that the owner embezzled money out of their own plan. And, you know, it was because they had a TPA that wasn't doing their job in terms of valuations and providing good advice. And, you know, the claim was, you know, I, I use this guy for 20 years and, and this is what happens. And, and unfortunately, it does happen. And I think that it's really important for the plan sponsor to realize that a good TPA is going to get them in a lot less trouble than a bad TPA. And the same thing with, you know, other plan providers. A good risk attorney is going to certainly do a better job than a bad risk attorney. Um, speaking about bad risk attorneys, uh, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but uh, the only bad risk attorney I ever knew um, was the attorney that I replaced at Geller Group. Um, he had a good racket. I mean, in, in terms of rackets, I wish I had the racket. He was not a um, employee of the TPA. He had his own practice, and he got like, I want to say, 30% of the revenue uh, that he billed for the TPA. And I, and I, when I, uh, when I replaced him, I think I, I made a third of what he did. And it's not jealousy. Listen, I, I'd like to, you know, I wasn't going to fault the guy, but the guy wasn't very, very good. How was the guy not very, very good? When I replaced him, I realized that all his safe harbor plans conditioned contributions, safe harbor contributions on the uh, attainment of a thousand hours of service and or last day for a contribution. And if you know anything about safe harbor contributions, you know that's not allowed. And yet he did that. And this was in 2002. And safe harbor contributions came into play, if I recall correctly, in 1999. So for three years, they were doing it incorrectly. And I also remember um, he did a review of a control group where he just got a basic thing wrong. And, of course, um, you know, I was asked to poo-poo what he did and say, oh, there have been, you know, try to spin it well for the plant sponsor to take that my opinion was quite different and that that would be an issue. But there are a lot of good providers out there, a lot of bad providers out there. Um... Same thing with advisors. Most advisors are vigilant. They show up. They do their job. And you have other plan, uh, other advisors who never show up and uh, don't help out their client whatsoever. Next thing, uh, you know, part of a good retirement plan. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, when I think of a good retirement plan. It always reminds me of those stupid Saturday morning uh Breakfast commercials. Now, if I'm going to praise my mother in one way, I think the only way I'll praise my mother is she um, had me avoid sugary cereals. So I have one cavity all my life. I still have the same teeth. So when you see those Saturday morning commercials and it'd be like sugar smacks or uh, Fruit Loops and all that kind of crap. It was always uh, advertised as part of a nutritious breakfast. And sometimes I wonder if, uh, you know, if they did a smoking commercial, they would say that that was part of a nutritious breakfast too because, I mean, sugary cereals that have some grain but are processed foods aren't very, very good, aren't very, very, aren't, aren't part of a 
nutritious breakfast, but part of a good retirement plan is avoiding underhanded deals. And uh, it should be pretty self-explanatory, but, you know, it, it does happen more often than not. Uh, the purpose of retirement plan is for the benefit of the plan participants, not for the plan sponsor. So uh, when I did work for a company that switched over the plan from Fidelity to insurance company provider to um, uh, preserve their pricing with that insurance company, uh, that was a big no-no. It's a big no-no for the plan sponsor to kick the business of uh, you know the TPA or um, advisory work to the bank that they have a uh, line of credit. Um, and that happens a bit. Shouldn't be hiring your dumb cousin as the advisor. Uh, or even your smart cousin as the advisor. I just think that, uh, you know, anything, you know, again, I've always talked about it. I live in a village where uh, nepotism, cronyism, it's a big deal. Um, you know, it happens quite a bit, and I, I am always of the opinion that if it looks bad, it should be avoided. The plan should be should, the plan was put in place for the employees; it should be for their benefit only. So, I think it's uh, important for the plan sponsor to avoid anything that looks improper. If it looks improper, it is improper. Uh, there is no private transaction on hiring your cousin as the advisor. But I will assure you, it doesn't look right. Um, and, you know, I don't want to look bad in front of the DOL and the IRS. That's how I feel about it. Next, obviously, uh, informing plant participants. Um, I worked at Stony Brook Statesman. Uh, the motto of the newspaper was, let each become aware. Info information is obviously knowledge. More information people get is obviously going to be better for them, the smarter they become. Um, plant participants should get education and or advice. Um, it's important to have regularly scheduled enrollment meetings. Um, you know, ERISA 404C is one of the most misunderstood conceptions in retirement plans. The idea that, oh, you know, if I let my plant participants uh, direct their investments, I'm off the hook. It doesn't really work that way. You know, the plan sponsors need to understand that there's a responsibility on their side. Educating and informing plan participants, um, a fiduciary process that is up to date and regularly held, uh, reviews of plan investments, investment policy statement, all that kind of jazz. And again, it's informing um, plan participants. And again, to knock the, the law firm plan again, giving everybody Morningstar profile doesn't really cut it. Uh, giving Morningstar profile funds that haven't been reviewed in 10 years is even worse. So uh, a better educated plan participant is less of a headache um, than one who's not in terms of so many things, in terms of liability and whatnot. And of course, last but not least, um, the ingredient for a successful retirement plan is constant review. Uh, too many plan sponsors have this set-forget mentality. Mentality, They say, you know what, I put it in place. I don't have to look at it again. Sunshine, it doesn't really work that way. Um, the plan is has to be annually reviewed, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, what worked when the company first started may not work when the company is, you know, 10 times as much. So when I always talk about experiences, 
I represented a plan sponsor. I think I've mentioned it a thousand times, but I had a plan sponsor who had a defined benefit plan. Um, I was contacted because they put in all their assets in the defined benefit plan with a financial advisor by the name of Bernie Madoff. Irrespective of that disaster, and uh, that took a lot of creativity. You know, they talk about a lot. I have a tax LM degree where I took qualified plans. I took qualified plans. Um, I was taught by an ERISA attorney at a, a very well-known Boston law firm uh, who's now at another Boston law firm. And I don't even mention this guy's name because one time I reached out to him after I graduated and never heard back from him. But anyway, what the book doesn't tell you in the retirement plans is what happens when, you know, it's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen that a plan sponsor put in all their assets with a financial advisor who was operating a Ponzi scheme. There is no book for that. Uh, but, you know, we had to go ahead and plow ahead and figure out a solution, and we did. Um, but irrespective of that disaster, the problem with that plan was it was no longer sufficient for the plan sponsor's needs. When the plan was set up, it was three doctors and maybe a couple of nurses and whatnot. But the company, uh, the medical practice increased about 300%. And it, you know, the DB plan, irrespective of the Madoff situation, no longer fit their needs. A retirement plan is like a motor vehicle. It needs constant maintenance. Listen, I, I you know, I, I have, my cars are now going to be 10 years old this fall. Um, if I didn't properly maintain them, they wouldn't have lasted this long. I have 135,000 miles on my Prius V. Got about 50,000 on the Mazda 3. I'm not going to get a new car until I get out of this Jeep joint in Long Island because the people here drive like maniacs. And the moment I park my new Tesla or whatever else I'm going to get... Some jerk is going to scratch it or who the heck knows what and, you know, the salts and all that crap from the snow and whatnot. If I go and move to a warmer climate, that's when I'm buying a new car. But, you know, a plan, it doesn't uh, just sit there. It needs constant maintenance and whatnot. So it's always always a problem that, it you know, if you if you set it and forget it, 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 it just isn't uh, sufficient anymore. So that's... Really, all that I got to say about that and this topic at hand, um, go to that 4 for further information on all our live events. And please tune in for another week next week with another episode of that 401k podcast. Thanks. Bye.